Hello, everybody. How are you doing today? Okay. Well, um, today is the end of Philippians. We're going to complete the book. Yeah. You're excited for a good message, not that we're getting finished with it, right? We're bringing it home. And what I love about us preaching through the scriptures is you come across passages that are not popular and are not on coffee mugs, but they're really potent and powerful. And um, today is no exceptions. We're looking at Philippians 4, 14 through 23. And uh, the name of the message is Partnering with Paul, or Paul's, I should say. Um, Prosperous Portfolio Planning. It's like, what? <laughs> you got that? See, Chris is out. <laughs> Garen's out, and so I'm, I'm out of control. So partnering with Paul's prosperous portfolio planning. Sorry about the alliteration, okay? But partnering, okay, so it's, it is a serious theme. There's nothing closer to my heart, I would like to think, than missions. And today, uh, this morning, Ted read from the Great Commission. And when you meet missionary people, today we're talking about the importance of our partnering with overseas missionary work the importance of us participating in spreading the gospel across the world. Because Jesus, before he ascended to heaven, he said, go into all the nations, right, and make disciples. That's really important, especially in our fellowship. We have so many of us from different cultures, and even from our midst, we we are sending people out to do missions. And so it's very important. The word partnering is a very serious word. Uh, If you're at a law firm and you're a salaried lawyer, that's fine. But if you become a partner, you share in the debts and you also share in the profits. The Bible always warns about striking hands in a pledge as a partner. Because when you do that, um, if you have a business partner who is lazy or not ethical, then you suffer if that person does ill. In the Bible, we look at marriage and a marriage partnership, and the Bible warns about being unequally yoked. So partnership is something very serious. But one thing the Bible does teach in our passage is the importance of partnering with those who are on the mission field planting churches like Paul. And so those are kind of the themes partnering with Paul's. And when I say the word Paul, obviously we're talking about Paul the Apostle, who is the writer of Philippians. And he said that he wants to know nothing but Christ and Christ crucified. John sang the song today, In Christ Alone. And when you think about missionaries, you want missionaries who are committed and say all these other things in the world don't matter as much as the gospel. And uh, for those of you who've spent time in San Diego, a lot of times in the mornings there's all sorts of fog. And for me that's symbolic of the fog of our culture in America. You think about the materialism, the consumerism, just the headaches of the dog-eat-dog world we're in narcissism, our self-worship. We're consumed with these thoughts, aren't we, as a culture? But when you align yourself with missionaries, it's like the sun beating through all that fog, and things become clear about what is important in your life, in your mission. Why does God have you on this earth? To love him and to proclaim his goodness and to fulfill the Great Commission. Sound good? 
That's what we're doing today. Martin Luther said there are three conversions for the Christian. You know what they are? Have you heard this? The conversion of the heart. The conversion of the mind. And the third one is what? The conversion of the wallet. The purse. The importance of giving our money, giving the assets God has given us to the things of God. So um, we'll go to the next slide. And before we read the passage, I just want to ask you these kinds of questions. Just allow the Holy Spirit to penetrate your heart because some of what we worry and care about might not be what is most important or our purpose here. My question is, are you personally investing in modern-day Pauls or modern-day missionaries, church planters? And I don't mean just financially, although that's super important, but emotionally. Do you know their stories? Do you know any missionaries? Do you pray for them? Are you burdened for them? As you hear about the persecuted church, um, do we suffer alongside our brothers and sisters in other countries? Secondly, if God were to analyze your checkbook, your spending, your thoughts, is he pleased with your partnership in missions? And I'm not, this is not a guilt trip deal, but I do feel that God wants me to stand in the gap and remind us, especially as Americans, for those of us who are Americans or living in this country, that we have to always have our mind. We've been very blessed, like Norm talked about, but with that blessing comes responsibility to help those in places that are proclaiming the gospel in dangerous places. Um, do you spend more time thinking about your own stock options or your own portfolio or your own budget and assets and things do you buy more than you think about spiritual spending, spiritual investments? Do you have a good spiritual portfolio? Are you investing in the things of God to fulfill the Great Commission? Maybe for some of you, you're nervous that I don't have enough money to give. I'm not in that place. That might be a wrong thought because you think of when Jesus recognized the widow who gave her last two cents. And he said, this woman gave all that she had. And it pleased God because God has all the money. And so it's not about how much you have. And so some people who have that, the resources can still be stingy. So I think God is wanting to challenge us and say, listen, I have your back all the money is mine. And as you give, allow me to flow through you, the Holy Spirit to flow through you, and you can be a giver and participate in the things of God. All right, that's the pre-message message. Would you please stand for the reading of God's word? And we're looking at chapter 4, verse 14. And this is Paul speaking in his letter to the Philippian church. Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek a gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, 
a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much that you invite us to partner with the Pauls in the world, people who are on the mission field. We should really care about what they're going through. We should be supporting them and strengthening them and encouraging them. Forgive us, God, when we only think about our own needs and not what is close to your heart. So lost people can come to faith in you. Teach us today through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may have a seat. Okay, so let's um, let's look at the first slide. Or moving forward a little bit. When we look at verse 14, I guess we, we can look in, uh, you can look in your Bible if it's not up yet. It says, yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. Okay, here we go. 15. Let me just give you a little bit of background of the context. This is uh, modern-day Turkey, and this is Greece. Uh, Jerusalem is down here. And so Paul's base of operations was Antioch. He started three of his missionary journeys from here. And he would go from city to city and preach the gospel in synagogues until Judaizers would get angry and try to kill him. He was left for dead many times, and even from Thessalonica to Berea all the way down to Corinth, a mob was actually chasing them, like a couple of days behind. So in this passage, we have the church of Philippi, and this part of the, you could see he's talking about Macedonia, when I left Macedonia. So this is his second missionary journey. He, uh, he visits the church of Philippi, and he, was a, he established um, this church. But there's two other churches, Thessalonica and Berea. Of the three churches, only the Philippian church were giving. And what happened in this letter is, so that's a little bit of a backdrop. Paul was actually arrested, and they think that he was probably kept in Rome. He might have been in Ephesus, but he was probably in Rome. And from the Philippian church, they gathered, and they were under persecution themselves, but they gathered resources. They made care packages with finances, and we don't know exactly what was in it. Matt will talk about it later on. Uh, and, and he traveled almost a 1,000 kilometers and, you know, it's not easy travel. And he went all the way to the prison. Now, have you ever been far away from home feeling like you're forgotten and then you get a care package? Can you imagine what that felt like? And that's what the situation was for Paul. Here he is in prison for the gospel. And then he receives this care package and it just touches his heart. And so that's what the whole occasion is of the book of Philippians. We learn a lot about joy and suffering, but throughout the scripture, he's talking about um, the gift that was given to him through Epaphroditus. Okay, next slide, please. 
All right, I'm on the alliteration thing. So note takers, write this down. Charlie, you got it? Partnership. God has not called you just to give a little bit. He's called you to be a partner. It means you're meant to be invested. And I want to um, point out this, this part of it is that it was kind of you to share to my trouble. And then you see the word later on, no church entered into partnership. How do we become a partner? You become a partner with a missionary by giving and receiving. It means you're participating in financial giving. There's also personal relationship. Most of the missionaries that we have relationship with have either visited us directly or we have connections. Does that mean we have to have a personal relationship before we give to worthy missions? No. But I would say it's advisable. So you're called to be a partner by giving and receiving. And the receiving is that when we give, we receive spiritual blessings. Um, Historically, this might be referring to receiving the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of the church, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's not very clear in the text, but we do know there's a strong connection that we're called to partner with missionaries and we're called to partner with missionaries like Paul through the giving and receiving. Romans 10 says, how can they, lost people who don't know God, how can they call on him, Jesus Christ, in whom they've not believed? And how can they believe in him who they've never heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. It's teamwork. Some of us are senders. Some of us are goers. I believe out of this church there's going to be more missionaries. Maybe some of our young people will feel the call and leave things behind and go out full-time on the mission field. But make no mistake, all of us are called to support foreign missionaries. And I hope that City Bible Church is quite a bit like Philippi, that we are a church that's involved with missionary work abroad. Now, um, next slide. You with me? Partnership, right? Next. Okay. Do we just give to anybody? Of course not. There's a lot of false teachers, a lot of charlatans, a lot of people who use religious teaching to benefit themselves personally. Is that a shocker? It happens. And so what Paul says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases your credit. So Paul's attitude, he's gone way out of his way throughout the New Testament to make it clear that he is not seeking money and that he doesn't value money in and of itself. Money is not moral. The love of money is evil, but there were many wealthy people in the Bible. Abraham was wealthy, Job was wealthy, Solomon was wealthy. So wealth and money isn't bad, but the love of money, and if you're unwilling to part with your money, that's evil. Uh, During Martin Luther King... No, not Martin Luther King, Martin Luther. (laughs) Sorry. Um... There was a contemporary preacher named John Tetzel, and I don't know if you've heard of him, but what he would do, he was a false teacher, and he would go around, he was raising money for a basilica for the Catholic Church, and what he would do is he would say, 
um, he had a famous quote, as soon as a coin in the coffer rings, a soul from purgatory springs. In other words, if you give money, just give money, put money in the, in the bucket. If you put money in the bucket, your uncles, your aunties, your grandparents will not be in purgatory burning and suffering. It's very dangerous, that kind of thinking. Chuck Smith tells a story of what is called paper missionaries. And it's so cynical, but it's true. In Papua New Guinea, there were missionaries, so-called missionaries, from the Western world, and these were people that were just wanting to retire in a beautiful place. Maybe they were legitimate missionaries at one time, but now they're just cash and paychecks. What they would do is, once in a while, they'd go deep into the village and start handing out candy. And as kids would come and hold out their hands for the candy, they'd snap pictures. Then they would take that picture, make a newsletter, and say, these are kids reaching out for the Bible. They've never heard the Bible. So don't you think that happens? It does happen. And so we as a church and we as individuals, it's very important for us to do our due diligence and to try to pray for discernment and vet and not just give our money to anybody, any religion. Um, Down the street at the Crystal Cathedral years ago, I I visited there because they were having a really great stage play like for Christmas or something. I got into the lobby and I see a bronze statue of the pastor at the time. How would you like to come in to Harvest Haven to Pastor Chris' (laughs) statue, doing one of his, you know, new things or whatever, you know, doing a Pastor Chrisism? It's obscene. Oh, come on. I got to dig it. It's my chance here. This this one's not recorded, right? Okay. (laughs) Sure. So the the first part of the verse is that, Okay, we learn we want to partner, but we don't partner with just anyone. We partner for people like Paul who said, all my education, all the things I used to think were important before Christ, all of that is rubbish compared to knowing Christ and making him known. But I seek a fruit that increases your credit. So Paul is not, he doesn't want to hurt the feelings of the Philippians. He's saying, you did good. This is great. In fact, It's going to increase your credit. And Paul has a father's heart. And uh, he was not a biological father because he didn't have any kids, but he was a spiritual father. And if if you're a father, when your kid gives you a present on Father's Day, and I told the story this morning, um, okay, I'm a product of the 80s. I love, I used to love transformers, you know, the cars that turn into robots and all that stuff. And when I was a little kid, my prize was something called Devastator. It was like six, it was the first combiner, okay? It was Constructicons, and you you take these five little robots, and they make one big robot. Awesome. So I told my kids about it, because when you're a parent, your big glory is this, two things. Number one, you can buy sweet cereal for yourself. (laughs) Number two, you can buy presents for them that's really for you. So we watched the Transformers, and my kids at the time, you know, they said, hey, Dad, there's a new Devastator that just came out, super expensive, super big. And I, I kind of liked it, but I'm like, come on, I'm a, grown, I'm a grown man of single income. I can't be buying some Devastator toy. And it's like, I forgot about it. On Christmas Day, my two little boys 
Isaiah and Ezekiel, this is like, I don't know when it was, like five, six years ago. They come out with this huge box. And I'm like, what is this? I open it up, and it's devastated. They had been working months, saving up money, doing all these. And they're hustlers. Like, they, they go out, and they, they sell lemonade. They do all sorts of stuff. I was so moved. And was it because of the plastic toy? No. I was moved because when they give, something's happening in their hearts. It's going against the narcissism in this culture. And in a similar way, Paul is saying, look, the gift is wonderful. The care package is wonderful. But what really gives me joy is this as a father. When you give like that, it's love. And you're exhibiting the love of Christ. And God is doing something wonderful in you. So when we partner, we partner with people like Paul. And one of the motivators is what? We profit. And the profit is spiritual reward. Okay, next slide. Verse 18. What's a second motivator? What's another reason we should participate in missionary work by giving or going or encouraging? Well, it's pleasing God. And Paul acknowledges the the care package. He says, I received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. This is a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to me, to God. When you give generously to missionaries to advance the kingdom, it directly pleases God. It's... Okay, go back, please. Um, And so it's, thanks. It's a fragrant offering. Now, we serve the living God. And the Hebrew God is the best. All the other false gods, they have terrible rituals and sacrifices. But the Hebrew God, the living God, Yahweh, would have his people take meat and put it on an altar, including fat, and so it smelled like Korean barbecue all the time. That's true. Is that true? Am I making it up? It smelled good. That's a fragrant offering. When you give to missionaries, it pleases God. It's a fragrant offering. It's a good smell to God. So our motivator for giving is that it pleases God, and it also adds to our spiritual credit. Okay, next. Thanks, Curtis. Next one. Provision. Provision. Sometimes the reason why we don't give is that we have fears about our own finances, our own money. And to be honest with you, sometimes we just have inaccurate theology. We don't understand what the Lord says in the book of Hosea and in Psalms, that the, everything in the earth is the Lord's, and everything in it is the Lord's, and everybody's is the Lord's. So all the money you have that you've earned, that God has allowed you to acquire, whose is it? It's all God's. It's all God's. And sometimes what happens is God likes to test our hearts. There was a story of the rich young ruler who came up to Jesus and said, I've kept all the commandments. What else do I need to do? And Jesus said, what? Sell all that you have. Give it to the poor. And then follow me. 
And what happened to the young man? Do you know? He walked away sad because he couldn't, he couldn't do it. He couldn't part with his money. He couldn't part with his riches. Jesus always wants to challenge what we think we are entitled to. Remember the story of Abraham. Abraham was promised Isaac, but then what did God do? He said, sacrifice him. God might not want to take all your money. God might not want you to quit your job and become a missionary. But I'm not God. I don't know that. But the question for all of us is this. If he asked you, would you be willing to part with what you have? Are you willing to part with some of it and to make a sacrifice and give to others? I want to tell you one story that I might have shared with you before. A good friend of mine, uh, his name is Mark Somer, and uh, he was uh, a Jewish atheist, actually, maybe an agnostic, but in college, and he was a real skeptic of the gospel until he got saved. Once he got saved, and, and he was a very accomplished writer, and he won a contest for the Boston Globe, and what he did is he had a newspaper job, and after he got saved, he had his own column and what he would do is he would ask all these apologetics questions that, were, that he was asking himself. And he just become, became this wonderful, I don't want to say zealot, because you might misunderstand, but he was an on-fire believer. And what I really like about him is he's been that way for 20 years. And he's a street preacher. He's so accomplished, but he could have done a lot of different things. But he, he preaches the gospel regularly. He called me maybe, I don't know, a year ago. And he was kind of running into tough times because he's a full-time missionary. He's got five kids. And he said, I'm kind of in between um, the organization I'm working with and I have a need. And Jennifer and I had supported him before. Would you consider helping us with a one-time gift? It's pretty humbling when someone asks you that. And, but I know the guy. He's not just trying to fleece me. And Jen and I prayed about it. And we decided to give, for us, a good chunk of money. You know, it's, it's at least a couple Costco trips for, you know, my family of seven, right? So it, it, was, it was enough. I, I sent it at 10 in the morning. At 6 at night when I was coming into the house, I got a text from another believer who said, my wife and I, we just purchased a car. Rather than turn in our old car, we felt moved to give it to someone that would, could use it. And your name came to our mind. And I was just floored. And I said, God, you couldn't even wait for 24 hours. I'm not saying that when you give, give today, you'll get a car tomorrow. I'm not saying that, okay? But I am saying this. When we're willing to give, you know, God has all the accounts. There are Hidden accounts that you don't even know anything about. A lot of times we only see, oh, this is my bank account. Well, guess what? My God has so many bank accounts, and he can transfer into your account like that. He doesn't want us to hold back. He want, he's a generous God. He wants us to be generous. Um, so, uh, next verse. So, the God has provision and I, I just wanted to, you know, you read the end here, and it says this. Um, greet every saint in Jesus Christ. He's finishing the letter. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. 
what? This means like this persecuted religious sect in the in the Roman Empire. They're trying to stomp out these Christians. And what happens is that some members, even though Paul's in prison, he's been consistently preaching wherever he goes. And somehow members of Caesar's household have gotten saved. Centuries later, and I don't know if he's a real Christian or not, but Constantine declared on behalf of the, he was the emperor of the Roman Empire. He says, we are now a Christian empire. So it's unfathomable. And the whole point, and in, in, this is the third motivator, is as we give to, to the Lord, the whole thing is about spreading the gospel of Christ. So what I want to do now is I want to talk about some of the Pauls that this church sponsors. And I want to kind of look at the portfolio, Okay, like your stock portfolio. Well, these are my spiritual portfolio. Some of them are that we support as a church. Maybe one or two are my own personal people that I support. So let's go to the next slide. Oh, I like this one. We're not going to necessarily record this, you know, post this um, publicly because missionaries usually don't like their strategy to be broadcast in the public domain. But here's how it works.